You guys doing okay? Yeah. Getting ready for the fourth? Okay, good, good. S'mores, fire pits, all of the above. Thanks again for joining us this morning for uh, our very first uh, sermon in the series of the Armor of God. Uh, if today's your first day with us, again, let me just welcome you here to Creekside Church. We're only seven months old at this point. And uh, man, we're just excited that you are here with us this morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. And you can find one right over here on our Connect table. That is free of charge. And uh, we'd love for you to have your very own copy of the Bible. So uh, if you can do that, you can use your phone. It'll be up on the screen, whatever you choose to do. Ephesians chapter 6. And let me... Just go ahead and lay a little bit of the groundwork for this uh, series. I, I don't know about you, but whenever I think about spiritual warfare, whenever I think about the need for the armor of God, there's one particular scene in a movie uh, that my mind immediately goes to, and that's the very beginning scene of Saving Private Ryan. And uh, if you've never seen the movie, uh, <laughs> enter in with caution, uh, tread a little lightly. That movie is something else. Uh, but the very first scene is where these U.S. soldiers are getting ready for D-Day, and they're, they're, they're moving forward to the, to the beaches, and, and there's just a, a lot of soldiers out on this, uh, I guess it's like a, a freighter or a cargo ship or something like that. They're moving in towards it, and they can just hear nothing but silence. There's nothing but silence. And then in the instant, uh, just a few seconds, there's bullets flying past them, there's explosions, just craziness and, and warfare right in their face. But it was kind of like this calm before the storm. And whenever I think about that scene, I think that's a little bit like spiritual warfare, wherein sometimes it's just, there's peace and it's, it's calm. And in the very next second, it's like attack, attack, attack. And bullets flying past us and it's just craziness and it's all out warfare. Whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, as believers in Christ, it's my job to let you know today that we are in the middle of an all-out war. We're in the middle of an all-out war, and we're in the middle, like, we're, we're constantly being attacked by our enemy. We're constantly being attacked by our enemy, and that's the premise for this series, the, the armor of God. But before we can get into the armor, before we can talk about how we need to clothe ourselves and prepare for battle, I need you to first of all understand that there's actually an enemy out there. If you don't understand that there's an enemy out there that, that hates you, and if you don't understand that there's an enemy out there that wants to have you captured, then you'll never know, and you'll never quite grasp your need to fight. And so I want you to understand uh, as best as I can put it, there is a real danger out there. There's a real enemy at hand. Maybe you've heard this line before. It's from a movie called The Usual Suspects. It says, uh, one of the greatest works of the devil was convincing people that he does not exist. And, and I would argue that maybe for the church today, it's not so much that we don't believe that Satan doesn't exist. We, it's not that we don't believe that demons are real or anything like that. It's just that we've allowed Hollywood to shape our view 
of what Satan looks like and what his attacks look like. Or we allowed Hollywood to, to morph our theology a little bit in movies like The Exorcist or movies or, or TV shows like Supernatural, like whatever it is, it, it, even, even comedy, like cartoons. They've depicted who Satan is and what he looks like, and somehow that's crept into the church. And so we've allowed Hollywood to shape what we believe about Satan, and, and we've allowed him to... We've allowed Hollywood to shape what we believe about spiritual warfare. And there are unseen things happening all around us. There are unseen things. There are things happening that you or I can't see. But here's what we generally tend to do. We tend to think of satanic activity in one or two extremes, okay? Like, you know what I'm talking about. We think that satanic activity is usually in the most extreme, like, catastrophic events and things that that happen in the world, you know, like, say, 9-11 or anything like that. Catastrophic events, we point and say, okay, that was Satan. Had to be Satan and his demons. Okay, so that's one extreme. The other extreme is that we think Satan is involved in everything. Like, the flat tire you had three months ago, that was Satan. Had to be. Your bagel burning this morning, that was Satan, had to be. And we, we tend to think of those activities like, okay, this is, he, he's either in the most minuscule things or he's in the most catastrophic things. But really, he's probably somewhere in the middle. And it, it kind of begs the question, okay, what does God say about Satan? What does God say about demons and their work in the world? What does God have to say about that? So if you have your Bibles, like, again, Ephesians 6 will start in Verse 10, Ephesians 6, verse 10. Now, a little bit of background about this, this book right here. The book of Ephesians was written by Paul, and he was, he was writing this letter to the church at Ephesus in a place called Asia Minor. And it's particularly broken down into two different sections. The first three chapters, Paul, he spends the entire first half of the book telling the church who they are in Christ. He says, this is who you are. This is how God sees you because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is who you are. Your identity is secure. It's secure. There's nothing that, that can happen to you. There's nothing that can take this away. This is who you are. Believe this. The gospel has changed you. You're a new creation. And then in the second section of the book, the last three chapters, he says, here is how you are to live because of your newfound identity in Christ. So here's who you are, here's how you are now to live. And so in the last three chapters, that's why we see where he says, Husbands and wives love each other. Children, obey your parents. Put on this new life, put on this new nature because of who you are in Christ. And then at the very end, in chapter 6, he gives this sobering warning. It's like this final address of the letter. Okay, here's who you are in Christ, here's how you are to live. FYI, there's somebody that's coming after you. FYI, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. You are in the midst of warfare. So, chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, 
Take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. And so he's laying it out there for us. And he says, here's what's going to happen. You need to know your enemy. There is a real attack. There's a real war going on. And therefore, you need to know your enemy. Who does he say this is? He says it's, it's not flesh and blood. This enemy that we have as Christians, it's not other people. It's not other people. Like you might think that there's, there's just cultural war or, or something like that going on in America. And we sometimes we put faces on that like it's actual people that we're wrestling against. And he, he lays that to rest. He says, we do not wage war against flesh and blood. It's not something that you can put your hands on. But he says, we wage war against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Like, I know that's, that's a little deep there. Essentially, what he's talking about is the fact that we are waging war against Satan and his demons. We are originally, we are waging war against Satan and his demons. And Satan, in the very beginning, was this beautiful angel. He was this beautiful angel, uh, and because of his beauty, he became very prideful against God. And, and he was eventually cast out of heaven, and he took a lot of the other angels with him. They were cast out of heaven because he wanted to be like God. He saw his beauty and then saw the beauty of God, saw the glory of God, wanted that same glory, wanted that same attention, thought that he could grasp it or seize it. And he was eventually kicked out of heaven with all the other angels that are now known as demons. And he is their leader. And we see this in the book of Isaiah, chapter 14, where he's referred to as this day star. We believe that's referring to uh, Satan and his, and his original banishment from heaven. He's referred to as the day star, which can be translated from Hebrew, meaning Lucifer. And that's where we get the name Lucifer. But originally... Uh, he, he was an angel, like he was, he was up in heaven and worshipped God and he was, uh, trans, uh, he was morphed into this sinful creature and he was the first person or the first creature to ever sin in all of creation. He was the first thing that ever sinned in all of creation. He was the originator of sin. And we even see this in the very beginning of Genesis chapter 3 that this serpent comes up and and he's referred to as this serpent who causes Adam and Eve uh, to be tempted and they sin. Uh, Jesus even refers to him as a murderer from the beginning and this father of lies. You might also know him as the devil or the serpent or Beelzebub, the ruler of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the thief and the evil one. Those are all of his Names And the most important thing that you need to know about him is that he hates you. He absolutely hates your being, your person, all of it. He hates you. And essentially, the way that he works is that his main goal in life is to keep every single person alive apart from knowing the good news of Jesus. He wants to keep you away from knowing Christ, from knowing the good news of Jesus, that he died on the cross for us. He wants to keep you from knowing that truth. And then once you come to know the truth of the gospel, once you become a believer, once you become a Christian, 
then his whole point in your life is to just keep you from living from the glory of God, keep you distracted, keep you, uh, keep you away from the things of God, keep you from living for the glory of God, keep you focused on yourself, keep you focused on any other thing than living for Jesus. And the one thing that we can say about Satan is that he's not necessarily creative, but he's consistent. He's very consistent, and, and he doesn't work in these major, you know, swoon attacks, but he just constantly chips away at you. He just constantly says the same things over you again and again and again and again. The word Satan, it actually means accuser, and he exists to defy and make you question your relationship with God now. Some of those lies that you might hear from Satan, you're not good enough. You never have been good enough. You never will be good enough. Some lies from Satan. You see that picture on Instagram? Oh, you look terrible in that. Don't ever let anybody see you in that. You're not a good mom. You're not a good dad. You'll never be a good mom. You'll never be a good dad. That porn addiction that you have, you'll never break free from it. And he just constantly chips away, saying those same things over and over and over and over again. You're familiar with it. You know what those things are that he says to you. Whatever it is, he wants to keep you there. He wants you in that spot where you're continually accusing yourself and continually lying to yourself and forgetting about the gospel, forgetting about the good news of Jesus Christ. And before we dive a little bit deeper into that, I, I just want to say, for the sake of your understanding, and I don't mean to necessarily offend anybody, but for the sake of your understanding, Satan and his demons um, they're not the cause behind everything, all right? Like, they're not the cause behind everything. Uh, we see separate times in Scripture in the New Testament whenever Jesus has to heal someone's body without saying that there's ever a demon present, without ever saying that Satan's involved. Uh, just because of the, the, the physical nature of sin itself, our bodies are imperfect. And there are times when a chemical imbalance is just a chemical imbalance, and it's not necessarily Satan, it's not necessarily a demon or anything like that. Um, he's, not he's not the reason that you got a flat tire. He's not the reason that you, you, you burnt your toast. Or He's not the reason behind every single major catastrophic event. If you sin, it's, you're just facing the consequences of your sinfulness. If, if you ha have a, like an aggressive heart towards somebody or something like that, that's just you and your sinful nature. Okay, I promise you, he's not necessarily behind that, but we do hear, we see things throughout the world globally where his presence is very real and where his demons are very real. And if you'd like to read more about this, you can read uh, books like Radical and The Insanity of God, where the gospel may not be present in certain areas throughout Asia or Africa. And that somebody, a missionary will come with the gospel of Jesus for the very first time and they experience real serious attacks. And so I just want you to understand, I want you to know, like, uh, he's not in everything. He's only in just a few things going on throughout the world 
uh, but sometimes it's just our own doing to ourselves. And so what does he say about this? He says, here is your enemy. You need to know this enemy. And he says, because of this, put on the armor of God so that you may be able to withstand attacks from the devil. He says, put on this armor of God so that you can fight. Now, we're not talking about this uh, magical force field. We're not talking about this magical prayer that you can say and like there's this force field that just comes over you or something like that. We're not talking about praying for a thousand angels to come and protect you or anything. And so whenever he says the armor of God, he moves down into it. And the, the rest of the book, he talks about it. He says the armor of God is the belt of truth. And the armor of God is the breastplate of righteousness. He says the armor of God is feet covered with the gospel of peace. The armor of God is the shield of faith. It's the helmet of salvation. It's the sword of the Spirit. And it's the power of prayer. Now over the next several weeks we're going to talk about each piece and each single uh, armor piece that, that consists of the armor of God. Over the next five weeks, we're going to cover each particular piece that we use defending us from attacks. Uh, we're going to go into each one, but today I just need you to know that there's no religious charm, there's, there's no force field that goes over you. Whenever we talk about the armor of God, what we're talking about is growing in Christ. Whenever we talk about the armor of God, what we're talking about is growing in the spiritual disciplines. Becoming more like God, growing in God. And as we grow into Him, as we get to know Him better, as we pursue Him consistently, then our lives look different. And we're clothed with this protection. We're clothed with this armor that protects us from attacks. And so therefore, he says, put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand the schemes of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so he says, here's your enemy, here's the armor of God. Put on the armor of God so that you may be able to withstand the attacks of your enemy. And if you're here this morning and you're wrestling with this stuff, if you're consistently finding yourselves under attack and, and different things like that, I have good news for you because in Christ and in Christ alone, you can stand against the schemes of the devil. Come on, you got to give me something right there. In Christ... And in Christ alone, you can stand against the schemes of the devil. That's good right there. Satan can't make you do anything. I don't care what you said as a three-year-old or what your three-year-old might tell you, where his homework went or anything like that. I don't care what your grandma said when she cussed at the dinner table. The devil can't make you do anything. We don't believe... Uh, that demons or, or Satan or anything like that can possess a believer in Christ. Because we believe that as we have, have followed after Christ, He gives us His Holy Spirit, and there can't be two masters living within us. You will either serve one and love the other, you will serve one and, and hate the other. 
And so we believe that as Christians, we are able to stand against these attacks. There, there's no demonic possession of Christians. There's no ghosts or spirits flying around the house or anything like that. And I know that Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd would have you believe otherwise, but that's not what we believe. We believe that as Christians, we can stand and we can fight. We believe that as Christians, we can fight against his schemes. And, and I need you to believe this, guys. I, I need you to hear this. If you don't Take anything away from today. I need you to believe this. You are not a victim. You do not have to be a victim. You do not have to be held captive. But as Christians, Paul's saying here, he's saying, to you, listen, you have in the armor of God and you have in your relationship with Christ, you have the ability to make war with these things. You don't have to lay down. You are not prey. You aren't prey, like you aren't a sitting duck in this spiritual warfare. You aren't a sitting duck for Satan. You aren't a sitting duck just waiting to be held captive. And he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And I I say this to you as Christians because maybe you've never heard it before, but you have every right to dig your heels in and fight sin. You have every right as a child of God to dig your heels in and to fight every single battle that's thrown at you. You have every single right to do that, and that's only through our relationship with Christ. Listen to these verses in 1 Peter 5.8. I want want to just prove to you everything that I just said. 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. James 4, 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. 1 Corinthians 10, 12-13, therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. That's a sobering warning to us all. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Make war. You are not prey. You don't have to give in to temptation when those lies come to you. He says to you, you're not good enough. Guess what? You're not good enough, but in Christ, He is good enough to fight the battle for you. Whenever he says to you, you're not a good dad, you know what? No, I'm probably not a good dad, but in Christ, he is the best and better father that I find my victory in. You'll never find victory over alcoholism. You'll never find victory over pornography. Those things are lies sent to you, and this is battle. This is spiritual warfare. Put on the armor of God, and in Christ, say, no, 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 no. I have victory over these things. And before the foundation of the world I stood in Christ and my name was written in the Lamb's book of life. I have victory. So make war. When you're sitting there in those moments and you're just sulking and you're causing yourself to feel shame and you're causing yourself to feel beat up and you're causing yourself to slide down the slippery slope into more temptation and into more sin, I'm telling you, dig your heels in. Be strong in the Lord. And make war. In Christ and in Christ alone, you can stand against the schemes of 
the devil. And there are beautiful places in Scripture where we see at the beginning and even in the middle and at the very end where Jesus Christ himself comes face to face with Satan. You can look this up in Matthew 4 where Jesus goes face to face with, the, with Satan and the devil in the wilderness. And three times he tries to cause Jesus to sin and every single time he fails. Like There's victory in that. But he also says, as he's telling us about this armor of God, he says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. He says that with this armor of God you are able to stand firm. You are, you are able to withstand the evil attacks. And he's saying here essentially because of our ability to stand firm that in Christ there's no duality. And that's a big word, but essentially what that means is that Christ and Satan aren't equal. Christ and the devil aren't equals. God, Satan, they're, they're not equal. Like, I, I don't know what you've heard, or, or maybe like out at a shopping mall or something, and like the yin and yang and stuff like that, that there's equal good out there, there's equal evil. No, 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 no. That's not true. There's no duality. And let me tell you what I mean by that, that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. Satan is not. Satan's not everywhere. He can only be in one place at one time. Now, his, his demons, they can be in multiple places, whatever. But Satan cannot be omnipresent because he is not God. He's not in all places at the same time. He's also, he's also not all-knowing. He doesn't know everything. Now, he knows exactly what it takes to trip you up. He knows exactly what it takes to, to, for you to want to sin and for you to be tempted, but he's not all-knowing. He doesn't know everything. Essentially, he, he's not all-knowing in the ways that God is all-knowing. God knows everything, but Satan doesn't. And not only is he he's not omnipresent, he's not all-knowing or omniscient, but he's not all-powerful. We see in the book of Job, for example, that everything that Satan wants to do, he must do with permission from God. And that's a little bit tricky, but everything that Satan can do, he has to do with permission from the Lord. And we see even in the book of Job where Satan brings all these attacks and he has all these things against Job, this, this man of uprightness, this meek man in the Bible, and everything that happens to him, God twists it and he turns it and he makes a bad thing, a great, very positive thing where God's name is put on display. So whatever Satan does, he has to do with permission for God. And God's ultimate goal in allowing things in your life to happen is for those attacks and for those lies, for them to be turned up against Satan and used as a weapon against him. You meant this for evil. You meant this for wrong. Well, guess what? Through the power of the gospel, through the power of the good news, no, 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 it's used as a weapon against you. And so there is no duality. And I just need you to know that, that, that he's not all-knowing, he's not omnipresent, he, he's not all-powerful or omnipotent. And Christ is way more powerful than any schemes that the devil can ever throw at you. He's way more powerful than any schemes or, or, or anything that, that can be thrown at you. And he's aware of this. He's aware that Jesus is more powerful. He's aware that in God there's more power. And, and so now he just wants to make your life miserable. And above all things, 
And he says, put on the armor so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. Ultimately, what he's trying to tell us is that he wants to do many things. But what he can never do is he can never take away your identity in Christ. He can never take away your identity in Christ. You see, long ago, we stood separated from God because of our sinfulness. For whatever sin you can name, whatever sin that you hold on to, whatever sin that that you cling to because of those things, we were separated and alienated from God, who is perfect, who is holy. And so there was no way for us to get into heaven. And so God sends Jesus Christ to die for us on the cross because He's perfect, because He's holy, and because He is all those things that, that heaven are. And He was sent in our place so that if we believe in Him and if we have faith in Him, we might now have access to God. This is the good news that I've been talking about all day. This is the good news of Jesus Christ, that in Christ, our relationship with God can be made right. It can be made perfect. And what Jesus says about this, and, and we see this later on in Scripture and all throughout Scripture, is that if you believe in Jesus and if you have faith in Christ, that He gives you a new identity. You're not the same person that you used to be. The old you is gone. It's, it's dead. And there is a new creation that sits in this room this morning, again, if and only if you have faith in a relationship with Jesus. Now, here's what's going to try and happen for the rest of your days on earth. Satan wants to make you believe that you're still the old person that you used to be. He wants you to believe that this new identity that you have in Christ is fake, that it's false. No, 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 you're not really a child of God. God's mad at you. You're separated from God. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. And there are thousands and thousands and thousands of men, women, and children in this earth as Christians, live as Christians, have a right relationship with God because of lies and because of temptation and because of all these other things. It gets distorted and it gets twisted. And they doubt their salvation and doubt their ability to fight against temptation, doubt their ability to be, be made a new creation in Christ. Satan cannot take away this identity that you have in Christ. But there's a fine line there. There's a fine line between that. Like, I can't tell you that you have a relationship with Jesus. I can't tell you that that conversion was was real. I can't tell you that that this, uh, your life now is being morphed into this life of Christ. I, I can't say that for you, but what I can say is that if it was genuine, if it was real, then Satan can never take away this new identity. But believe me, the rest of your days, that's what he's going to try and do. That for the rest of your days, that's what he's going to try and do, but it is in Christ that we draw our power to fight. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Are you standing firm? Are you standing firm in the gospel? Are you standing firm in this new identity that you have in Christ? Or does every temptation hold you captive? Are you finding yourself being enslaved to certain sins? nagging lies that you continue to tell yourself. 
the only way that you can fight it is by putting on the armor of God. The only way that you can fight it is by growing in this relationship that you have with Jesus. And as I said earlier, over the next several weeks, we're going to dive deep into all of those individual pieces of the armor. Over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about the belt of truth. We're going to talk about the breastplate of righteousness and feet ready with the gospel of peace. But first and foremost, we've got to get this right. We've got to understand that there is a real attack. We've got to understand that that there is sinfulness. And and my challenge to you, let's just lay the, the slate clean here. My challenge to you is that you would not try and press forward into the rest of these pieces of armor until you first realize your identity in Christ. There's no need to talk about putting on armor if you don't realize your ability that you have in Christ to stand firm. Essentially what I'm saying is, I want you to fight sin, but I want you to fight sin because of the good news of Jesus. And as we enter into this sermon series, as we enter into the rest of these, would you stand firm with me? Would you make a conscious decision to stand firm against sin? Would you make a conscious effort and a conscious decision to grow into the things of Christ? Would you this morning put your yes on the table? That yes, I I will, in Christ, I I will try to go deeper in my purity. That in Christ, I will try to go deeper in, in my prayer time. That in Christ, I will go deeper in His Word. That in Christ, I will lay aside those things that have been holding me back. Will you guys make that conscious effort with me? Will you set aside time each week, each day, where you're aware of this, where you're making an effort in this? With me? Are you with me? Are you going to do this with me? That's my challenge to you this morning. To realize that the enemy is real, but to also realize that you have power to fight against this enemy. Would you guys pray with me? Father, we come to you this morning just as people who used to be... um, defenseless, Lord, as people who used to be, Lord, held captive by every thought, who used to be held captive by every lie, by every deceit, by these spiritual forces that are at work in the heavenly places, and by rulers and authorities, Lord, we used to be defenseless, and now we're not. We can fight, we can make war. And my prayer is that for myself, Lord, and for every man, woman, and child within the sound of my voice, Lord, that we would all press in to God. That we would press in towards the gospel. Lord, would you would you fight that for us? You're the one doing all the work. Lord, give us confidence in our ability to fight sin. Give us confidence in our ability to make war. Give us confidence in our ability to stand firm. But only because of that name that we cling to, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for 
any person in this room today who does not know Jesus Christ as Savior, I pray that today might be the day that they believe in the good news of the gospel. That you came to die on a cross for us so that we might find hope, so that we might find victory over sin and the consequences of sin, over death. Lord, and I also pray for the believer in this room this morning. Lord, maybe they've had this nagging sin for a long time now. Whether it be alcohol or whether it be sex outside of marriage, whether it be pornography, whether it be lying to themselves and shaming themselves because of something that happened in the past or whatever it is. There's armor for it. There's armor to help us fight it. Lord, help us to find that this morning. Help us to find the victory in Jesus. We ask these things in his name. Amen. The call this morning is simple. I'm going to be in the back of the room. And as always, if you need somebody to pray with you, if you want to talk about following Jesus, maybe for the very first time in your life, if you want to find victory over these things that we've talked about today, it's only through knowing this good news. If you're here this morning and, and you're wrestling with something, you just need prayer, you need some accountability, whatever it is, this is a safe place. You can find that here. If you need somebody to pray with you, I'll be in the back. My wife's going to be in the back. If you need to grab your huddle partner or maybe somebody that you were an MC with, we ask that you would do that too. But don't leave today if God's calling you to make a change in something. Just be obedient wherever He's calling you this morning.